Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Um, if you have got a copy on order, it's going to be really, really good. So just buckle yourself in. Let's turn our eyes to the screen. We're going to read a scripture together. But one final thing I'm going to do before we read the scripture. I'm going to ask us to stand to our feet because I'm going to ask us to read the scripture together, not just as spectators, but as participators in the word of God. And this is just a a little bit of a habit just to activate us because we are not here to watch me perform and try and entertain you. We're here to engage and say, word of God, transform me. Is that okay? So let's read it together as participators in the word of God. It's Matthew chapter four, verse 18 to 22. It says this, while walking by the sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. You guys are doing well, by the way. Very good. And he said to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Before you sit, let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us this morning. Men and women who are, who are simple, who are not trying to pretend to be anything else. But God, we stand to attention to your word this morning, saying your word has highest authority in our lives. Your word is the only thing that has power to change our lives. God, this morning, we say it again and again. We don't want to be stirred and not changed. Word of God, would you speak, and would you find that we are listening? In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Why don't you take a seat? It's really good to see you this morning and be together. This morning I've got three points, uh, and, and they're three things that have been brandished on my heart. If you, if you come to my home, you'll find many pieces of paper across, uh, strewn and littering our home, to my wife's uh, dismay, with these, with these points uh, deep in them. Uh, with ink everywhere, but also in my Bible, and I've written them a million times over, because this is deep in who I am as as a Christ follower. But out of this text, these are three things, three imperatives I believe that God wants to put into our vocabulary, put into our our, our agenda when we follow Christ. And I believe that God will, will use them if we receive them by faith, and our lives will be different forever. So the first point this morning out of this text is this, is that intimacy leads to influence. Intimacy leads to influence. The first word that we find in that text where Jesus encounters these disciples is this. He says to them, come. The first word, the first engagement relationally between these young men who would later become the the men who take the gospel forward and, 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 and build the church and labor to what God had called them to. The first word that Jesus says to them was, come. There was no previous thing. They did not know each other before this, as far as we know. And I, I find it amazing that Jesus didn't come up to them and say, as he walked along the seashore, saw them and said, listen, guys, I'm, I'm starting something. I'm starting a revolution. I'm going to turn the whole religious order on his head, and I'm looking for the best of the best. Are you guys some of them? No, he didn't do that. He didn't come up to him and say, guys, I'm looking for some great guys. Have you guys studied the Bible? Have you been to church recently? No, he didn't say that either. He didn't come with any standard. He didn't come with any questions or questionnaire. He didn't hand them a questionnaire and say, fill it in quickly. I'm just, I need to do some, some studies here, qualitative research to find out who should be my followers. No, no, no. 
the first word without delay, without holding back, Jesus sees them and he says this, come. An invitation to himself. Now, if you wanted to know who these guys were that he was inviting to, to come and, and follow him and join his, his band of merry men, these guys were young fishermen. Now, I want to tell you the culture of the day was that these young guys, young, young uh, men in the Jewish society, would get into a schooling system where they would be schooled by different rabbis in the day. And as they were schooled in the oral tradition and the scripture and the history of the Jewish culture, as they went through this process, age by age, there came different junctions in the education system where if they didn't quite match up to the standard that the rabbi was calling them to, the rabbi would sit them down in a, in a moment and say, listen, young man, I see you trying hard, but you actually not, you don't quite have what it takes. Go and do what your father does. And at different moments in their schooling years, young men would leave the studying underneath a rabbi and would go and do what their dad does. So if their dad made hats, they would go and join the hat-making business. If their dad was a, a maker of shoes, they would go and, and apply and become a cobbler under their father. So what's amazing is that we find these guys, where Jesus finds them, we find them in Scripture, is that they are working as fishermen by the boats with their dad named Zeb. Zebedee, to those unfamiliar with him. To those not on a first-name basis, Zebedee, Mr. Zebedee to you. But what we can logically understand from this sort of scenario is that these young guys were guys who had not made the grade academically in the, in the system of the day. That at some stage, these young guys have been told by a rabbi, you guys have not got what it takes to come and do this order, so you're going to go and do what your dad does. And they would leave. So these were young guys who we can understand, we can, we can ascertain from the scripture that they had missed the cut. In the system of the day, they were washed up. They were not qualified. They'd already failed. So much so that I can imagine where Jesus comes up to him and says, um, come follow me. They would have gone, who? Us? You need, you need my dad. Dad! There's a, there's a rabbi here. He's, he wants to talk to you. And Jesus like, no, 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 no. You guys, come. It, it was so bemusing to these guys. Why? Because those words that Jesus said, come follow me, were not something that Jesus had made up himself. This was not the first time it was ever said in that society. The words, come follow me, in the, in the, in the, the rabbi culture of the day, was whatever a, whenever a rabbi would want to call somebody to follow them, every rabbi would say those words to their students, come follow me. So these were words that those young guys had longed to hear, for, hear from a rabbi sometime in their study, but they'd never heard it. They'd heard, go do what your dad does. They'd been disqualified. They longed for a rabbi to say, come follow me, in a sense saying, I want you to come and be with me. This was the first call of every rabbi-student relationship, was this. The, the goal of every rabbi-student relationship was, number one, to be with their rabbi. The rabbis were the rock stars of the day. They were the, the ones that every, young, every mother wanted their kid to be like. Follow him, get close as you can to him, become like him. And these guys hadn't heard that from their rabbi, but then out, out of the ordinary, a moment came where they feeling washed up, just doing what their dad does. Maybe that's our lot in life. Jesus enters that story and says, come. To the unqualified, to the uneducated, to the mis misfits, the ones who had not made the grade, he says, come. Now, this was, again, not the first time in Scripture this happened. Believe it or not, from the very, very beginning, this has been the call of God towards mankind. In Genesis chapter 1, we find in Genesis chapter 1, the macro version of creation where God spoke and everything leapt in, in obedience into being. 
said, let there be light, and light obeyed and was. And he said, let there be earth and sky and sea and water and, 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 and planets and, and microbiology. He did all this, and as he spoke it, the, the word went forth and life obeyed out of nothing. And there came this dramatic moment where God, the creator, Yahweh, the one who was and is and is to come, he came to this moment where he was going to create mankind. And the pattern should have been, let there be Edwin. And Edwin was, strapping, looking good. Say, I'm single and ready to mingle. But that's not what he did. God didn't do that. He changed tact. And God did something remarkable. Where he had spoken everything into being, he changed tact. And the next thing he does on day six was he leans in. He leans in past all the things that he's already created. He leans right and deep into the dust of the earth. And he starts with his hands fashioning man out of the dust of the earth. He starts to fashion and makes the, the, the shell of a man kind of lying there for, without breath inside his lungs, but just lying there. But then God does something even more incredible. God gets down on his hands and knees and gets mouth to mouth with this lifeless Adam, the prototype man. And what God does is he breathes his life into Adam. That moment, as he, poetically speaking, as God gives mankind the kiss of life, the first face that mankind sees is not a God standing saying, welcome to earth, we've got work to do, Here's the standard. Are you qualified to do what I'm calling you to do? Not a boot camp Jesus. Not a drill sergeant God. Not a God who has got an agenda for this person. Not somebody who's got any other aim for him. But this, the first face that Adam saw of Almighty God was that of a lover kissing him and breathing his life with delight into him saying, My boy, this is my boy. Created from and for intimacy with him. Someone phoning you, Quentin. <laughs> Ever since that moment that we were birthed from intimacy, the enemy's got in. And he's put in this thing inside of us that recoils at intimacy with God. That actually we struggle with this, this understanding. Even our headspace struggle, our Western mindsets struggle with this understanding. So much so that my friend uh, Rich Gordon did this illustration years ago. And it stuck with me. Edwin, why not? One more time, eh? Come on up. This is Edwin, by the way. And he is single, ready to mingle. Just saying. But he did this illustration. And Richard said, what happens so often in our relationship with God is that God wants to come close. And he wants to get into face-to-face intimacy with us. Wants to know us intimately, deeply. And he comes close. And it gets there. And we're like, well, this is cool, God. And then at the mo- as, as he gets closer and closer, we, we start recoiling. Come on, Ed, man. You you played your part well. But that is what we do. God gets just as as soon as it gets a little uncomfortable, we turn our heads. Uh, No, 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 no. That's too much, man. That's not me. I'm not made that way. Yes, you are. The enemy has lied to you. You were made for intimacy with him. And this is the understanding for us, face-to-face intimacy. When Jesus comes to these guys and says, come, he was calling them back to the very call of who they were. Not washouts, not dropouts, not those who didn't make the cut, not those who were just called to exist, but those who were called back into the original story, the original design of be with me. 
Let me tell you this, that actually, for us as Christians, that influence and true authority, if you want true influence in this world, if you want true spiritual authority, I'm afraid to tell you there is no course that you can sign up for on the internet that you'll do that will qualify you to have true spiritual influence and authority. There is no study. There is no person that you can uh, mentor, earthly mentor, that you can walk long enough with to get true authority. The only way that you and I will walk into true authority that God has called us to carry is through intimacy with Him. Acts chapter 4 says it this way. These young men who years later after responding to this call of come, be with me, and through ups and downs following Christ, Jesus leaves, and, 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 and they, they're a bit freaked out. You know, I can imagine our rabbi's dead. We gave up everything to fail for this rabbi. Probably should have stuck with accounting. Oh, should have done the course dad told us to do. No, no, no. They follow this rabbi. He dies. He leaves them with authority after being with him. And they start doing things that put the religious order of the day to shame. Peter's shadow is healing the sick. His shadow. He's walking and he, they, they're raising uh, lepers. They, they, they're touching people who are blind eyes are opening. They are, they're preaching and thousands are getting saved. It's, and those who've studied for years, the Pharisees and the religious elite who've studied for years for that authority are coming up empty and are getting so frustrated. We've worked hard and we can't get that thing. What, what are your qualifications for this authority? And Acts 4 tells us this. They says they realized they were ordinary, unschooled men, but they had been with Jesus. I've underlined that in my Bible. See, God, that is my aim. That is the DNA call of my heart. If I want authority like these guys carried, there's no other way. Intimacy with him. Can I tell you, just by being in the presence of Jesus, you carry something. We say it again and again, we've, uh, what, what God has called us is here, that actually what you behold, you become. Uh, so much so that I was, I was trawling Google a while ago, and I found some amazing photos, side-by-side photos, of couples who've been married for so long that they actually have started to look like one another. I showed Fee, and she said, God forbid that will ever happen. I said, it's the law of nature for you. Welcome to the red side of life. But it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing that actually what you look at, what you engage with, what you give attention to, you give access to. What you, what you come to in close proximity with again and again and again, you end up becoming. You just have to look at teenagers. Who they're with, they look, end up looking like that. It's the same for all of us. And this is the greater law, is that what we behold, we become. If we're wanting to walk in authority, we've got to start looking at the one who calls us, giving our attention to him. But this is the incredible thing for me is that, that w- I, as I re- read scripture, a man named Joshua, the man who, who was, walked with Moses, the great Moses, the man who was with authority and led the people out of Egypt, Joshua, this young whippersnapper who just was his glorified assistant. The Bible, in, in all, all that story from all the way out of Egypt, there, there's not much mention of Joshua as a young man. Except a one little liner that says, Moses would leave the tent of, of meeting with God and go back to the people. But it says, but Joshua fell asleep in the tent. Joshua fell asleep in the presence of God. He refused to leave that place. Years later, when Moses died, the man Joshua takes over, gets his own book called Joshua. It's amazing. 
and he takes over from where Moses failed and, and could not lead them into the promised land. Joshua takes them into the promised land, leads them in victorious campaign after victorious campaign. Why? What was his qualifications? Oh, he studied under Moses. Maybe. He did a leadership course with, with Caleb. Maybe. He had a John Maxwell book. Maybe. I tell you, I believe this man carried something because he was a man who knew the presence of God. Same thing with, we go on and on and on with all these, if Samuel fell asleep in the presence of God for time's sake, I'll move on from there. But, but this is the thing for us, is that actually if we are called to, if we want to carry the life of God, we cannot do that apart from intimacy with Him. Here, here's, a, here's a kicker I want to land this point with. And I said it controversially years ago at a student camp, probably unwise to say it there in that context. But I'll say it again with boldness this morning. And I appeal to you and to me. Can we please not condemnize the faith? What I mean by that, I believe our Western society, we end up putting condoms over our heart, condoms over our mind, and we come intellectually to God, but we say we're not willing to carry your life. I want to come to you for what you can give me, but I'm not going to carry what you've called me to carry. It's a graphic image. Graphic imagery. But I believe this is the call that we have come. God is calling us back to a place of intimacy with Him. Because this whole thing is a setup. It started with a kiss in Genesis 1. Revelation, let me tell you how it ends. It ends with a wedding. A celebration. The theologians call it the consummation of the ages. Not my language, the Bibles. We are called a bride. He is our groom. This is a glorious romantic setup that we were made for one thing. Him. And intimacy with him. Intimacy leads to influence. I'd love to tell you that there's another way. I'd love to tell you that, sir, ma'am, if you want to walk into authority or influence, there's another easier way. But I can't do that to you. The truth is, there is only one way to true authority and true influence. It's intimacy with Jesus. And he says, come. Second point this morning is that faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Jesus says, come. The next word that follows says, says, follow me. Now, this was a big thing in, those, in that culture of the day. For them to say, come, follow me. Because this was not just a throwaway statement. It wasn't just something like, guys, hey, if you've got some spare time this weekend, I'm, I'm doing this, this cool thing. Come and spend some time with me. Oh, cool. I can fit you in between two and four. No, no, no. This call to come follow him means leave everything else and pick up this one thing. This wasn't a convenient call. This wasn't something a nice to do. I think I'll give that a go for this semester. Let's see how this Jesus thing works out. No, no, this was all in. This was going all in on this story. Not something you could squeeze in. This was a day in and day out following of Christ. So much so that the second goal of every rabbi-student relationship, number one was to be with their rabbi. Number two was to learn their rabbi's teachings. To learn their rabbi's teachings. Well, actually, not just learn them, wrap your whole life around them. So much so in the scriptures, uh, actually before that, in tradition, rabbis, their teachings, they, their interpretation of the scripture, because every rabbi had an interpretation, a different slant on how they read the scripture, how they taught it to their students, was called their yoke. So a rabbi had, every rabbi had a different yoke, a way they read the scripture. So much so that Jesus later on says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. 
See, it's the easiest life, but he doesn't say, I don't have a yoke. He doesn't say, I don't have a way of reading scripture. I don't have a way. So much so, in Matthew 5, 6, 7, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is doing something that rabbis did all the time. He got up and he said, you have heard it said that if you do this, da, 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 da. He says, but I say to you. What Jesus was doing there was giving a new reading on the scriptures. He was giving, saying, this is my yoke, my interpretation of this. This is how that reading will change my followers' lives. So here's the thing. For them to say, when he says, come follow me, they're always going, we're giving up everything away. We've even read the scriptures. We, our perspective on life, we're picking a new perspective on life. It's his. So the way we eat will change. The way we drink, the way we socialize, the way our, our political viewpoint will change. Our, the way we have parties, the way we entertain, the way we are hospitable will change. Everything we do will change because we follow this man. Because we're picking up his yoke, his reading of the way of life from the scriptures. Come follow me was a call to giving up everything faithfully to follow that. Let me tell you, there's a man named John Piper, a, a preacher, a theologian in the United States. And he says a story about young people. And he says, he says, I've come across many young people. They come, and with good intentions, they'll come and say to me, Pastor John. It's my American accent. Pastor John, I want to do something great for God. And he says, that's great. Thank you. Then the next young guy, Pastor John, I want to do something great for God. And he says, you know what? If I was to meet one young man, who says, I just want to be faithful to following Christ. He says, that man will do something great for God. Because we live in a culture that longs for, I want my call. I want to know what I must give my life to. I grew up in a denomination where they preached on the call of God week in, week out. And I was there at the front saying, I want to know, am I going to China for Jesus? Because the preacher sweated and got you excited. And I remember going, God, I want to know your calling for my life. And he said, Serve in the youth ministry like you have been doing. I was like, ah, oh, that's not that cool though. Read your Bible. <laughs> that's the call. I'm like, oh, that's not that dramatic. You know what? I think the problem is we, we've got a, a generation that wants the dramatic, the instant. We are part of a culture that wants it now. And, but if it, and if it doesn't work out the way we think it's going to work out, we think it's bad. If it's a bit tough, it's not gonna, uh, then it can't be God. Can I tell you, if it's tough, it must be Him. Because following Jesus is really tough. I, I don't know, it's just me maybe. It's, it's easy when you do it with Him, but I tell you, my flesh longs to go my own way all the time. Am I the only one? <laughs> Thank you. Very honest. I want to tell you that we find in the Scriptures, again and again, a man named Elisha who followed on from Elijah. Elijah was this great prophet that, that the Israel nation looks back on with, with such heroic eyes. They go, Elijah, those are the golden days. Elisha was the man who followed after him. And this is when Elijah was looking for his, the, his, the man who would take over his ministry. There was a thing in those days called the school of the prophets. And actually, Elisha, who would take over Elijah's ministry, was not found with those guys. Elijah found Elisha plowing the field with some oxen. And doing agricultural business for his mom and dad. Because that's the last thing he was given to do. And as he was doing this, Elijah found this man in this place. And I can imagine the conversation going, I want you to come and take over my mantle, my authority. You're going to do, the Bible tells us, double what Elijah did, which he did do. Elisha raised the dead. Did whatever Elijah did, Elisha did double. Fruitful ministry. 
But I love the fact that Elijah sees him doing what he was just called to do in that season and says, there's a man that I can trust with the fruitfulness of God. David, another man, a man called God after God's own heart. The man of God, Samuel, comes looking for the next king of Israel. And he says to Jesse, David's dad, bring out all your boys. And, and then Jesse brings out all the strapping rugby players. Blonde, blue-eyed guys, you know. They're there, and they're just looking good. And Samuel goes, no, 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 no. There's someone missing. Where, where's, your, where's your last born? Jesse goes, the, the youngest, David. He, he's in the field looking after the sheep. I, that's why I told him to. He's looking after the sheep. Uh, do you want me to go get him? Yeah, go get him. The Bible, by the way, tells us that David was ruddy. Means red, just saying. Just saying. It's the GPV, the Gabe Phillips version of the Bible. If you're blonde and you've got blue eyes, Jesus can use you too. Don't be disheartened. I know, it's been tough, I know. But this is the thing. When he gets, David comes out of the field, he's been looking after the sheep. He's been faithful in that place for years, not looking for promotion, but looking to be faithful. It's with, to that man that God gives the kingdom, gives the, the kingdom of Israel. It's that man that slays Goliath. It's that man who the song is original about. It's that man who becomes aligned towards Jesus. It's that man who was just faithful because faithful leads to fruitful. I'd love to tell you that if you want to be fruitful and say, I want to do big things for God. It's a great, noble call, but sir, ma'am, I, 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 I hate to tell you that there's no other way to fruitfulness than faithfulness in the kingdom of God. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Third and final point this morning is this from this scripture, is that radical obedience leads to radical futures. You see, God has a will for us, but where there's a will, there's a way. There's a way to follow Jesus. It's not make it up as you go. Jesus calls us to himself. And this is the thing. He says this, come, follow me. And he says these words, and I will make you. I love that. I love this scripture. I love that line. It's, it's burned in my heart because this is not logical. It's not calculated. It's not something like you come and try hard. And, and if you invest in this time, then, it'll become, then this will, it's like, not like a pyramid scheme Jesus is calling them into. If you guys come at the bottom, then we're going to get another guys and we're going to build the kingdom this way. And it's going to be amazing. You know, the math, it all works out. No, no. Jesus says, give up everything. Follow me and I will make you. I will do something great. If you give yourself to being with me, learning my teachers and radically following me, I will do something you would never even believe. Washouts, miscuts, misfits, those who don't make the grade, come, 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 come. I will make you. I will make you into something. But this is his call to him. He says this call has is, is got no apparent bright lights. There's no apparent excitement on the other end of it. The, the whole way through, the disciples are even, after three years of following Jesus, are still a little bit nervous of this. When Jesus dies, they're all backing away. But is this how it's supposed to go? But Jesus wasn't calling them to an easy, light task. It'll be fun for Saturdays and Sundays. Sunday and Tuesday is good, you know. No, he was calling them to a lifelong pursuit. Give up everything. Leave everything behind and follow me and I will make something out of you. I love the scripture there. It says this twice. Immediately, immediately they left their boats. Immediately they left their nets. Immediately they left their father. This wasn't something to say, guys, let's have, uh, Jesus, give us a moment. Guys, let's talk about this. Does anyone know the credentials of this guy? Okay, someone Wikipedia this guy. Quickly, quickly, quickly. No, 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 no. This was a me. They heard the voice. Come, follow me and I will make you. And, okay, we're in. We're in. 
Let me tell you, this thing of following Jesus is costly. It's costly. What men and women have done today to get in publicly say, I follow Jesus, is costly. Let me I tell you, Jesus, I think, needed a PR guy. Because he wasn't very good at it. If he was trying to build a, an organization or a following, he wasn't that good at it from a PR lens. Let me give you some examples. A guy came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And I can imagine if I was Jesus, I'd go, great, come on in. Join the party. It's going to be cool. No, but Jesus said, yeah, you can come follow me, but just know this. Foxes have holes, bir- birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. The guy like, huh? So basically, come follow me. You'll be homeless, buddy. You're in. <sighs> you know, goes on and on. This, uh, he says, another guy comes to him and says, Jesus, I want to come follow you. He goes, cool. And the guy says, well, let me just go home and bury my dad before I do it. Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me. I'm like Peter going, Jesus, we talked about this, man. Soften the blow, you know. You know, you know the big thing of marketing, big up front, and then the terms and conditions apply. Jesus says, he has the terms and conditions, buddy. He goes on, and Jesus was not good at this, apparently. Another guy, I want to come follow you, Jesus, a rich, influential guy, good for his team, good for his image. Jesus says, great, give everything to the poor, then come follow me. Oh, Jesus. This stuff is harsh. This stuff is costly. Let me tell you, following Jesus, if you want to follow him and walk into what he has for us, true authority, true fruitfulness, radical futures, it will cost you hugely. But I hesitate to warn of the cost of of fully seeking Jesus' face, not because a price doesn't exist. I hesitate to warn of the cost because no, it does cost everything, but I hesitate because the reality is that what a person gets in return makes the price we pay embarrassingly small by comparison. You know those guys, who, you know the stories. The guy who bought into the big company and said, I put my life savings in. And then 20 years later, when they're chilling on the, on the boats going, life savings? What life savings? It was nothing compared to this. It will cost you everything, but what you get, sir, man, will make that price so embarrassingly small. The cost is great. The reward is greater. The cost of not following, unfortunately, is even greater. Let me tell you, the only way to influence, to fruitfulness, to radical futures is through intimacy, faithfulness, and radical obedience. I, wanted, I wish I could tell you that there was another easy way, the express line. If you want to walk in these things, there's only one way, responding to Jesus, saying this, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Disciples did it, and that's the call that goes out today. But here's the thing, if they don't come naturally to you, maybe you're sitting here saying, intimacy with God, that sounds like a big thing to do. That's like a lifelong project. It is. Maybe you say, oh, faithfulness, but yes, Gabe, you don't know how hard my job is. You don't know how tough my wife is. I just want out. You don't know how, I'm, I've done this thing for so many years, I'm just like bored of it. I haven't seen much. Yep, I know, me too. Not the wife being hard thing, don't let that get back to her. I'm the tough one. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, hey, what do you mean radical obedience? Sheesh, but I've got a reputation. I, I can't do this. I can't jump in a pool in front of people. I can't, I can't speak about my faith. I can't make radical decisions and start praying with my spouse. That's 
embarrassing. I can't confess that addiction. No. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Nope. I want to be honest with you. Intimacy with God, faithfulness and tough things, being radical with, with what Jesus calls me to, is hard for me too. But here's the great news that I want to land with. Is that we have a king. The man who calls us is the man who also provides for us. Jesus, this is the incredible thing. Jesus went to the cross and he gave up intimacy with his father. He gave up intimacy with his father and hung on a cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why? So that you and I would never have to be forsaken by God so we could walk boldly into intimacy with God. Not by our own merits, but by the free gift of grace. Not by your qualifications, not by trying to reach a standard, but by just saying, I'm coming. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to come to you. We have a Jesus who was faithful even to death. So when you are faithless, you can still cling to him. But we also have a Jesus who said radically in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. And prayed, paid an ultimate price and died a death that we deserved in radical obedience that opened up radical futures for you and I so we could walk into them with freedom and confidence in our hearts. I want to land this morning. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, I'm, I, I, what's, what's the call in my life? What has God got for me, Gabe? I came here today. I'm, I'm in a tough situation. What's the future hold? What has God got for me? What is he calling me to? Here's the call of God for every single person here. Come, follow him, and he will make you fishers of men. You want to know the call of God on my life? It's the same as the call of God in your life. Come, follow Jesus, and he will make you a fisher of men. Intimacy, faithfulness, radical obedience. How are you doing with that call, sir, man? Because that's the only call that matters. Let's pray. morning baptism Sunday where we celebrate people making radical decisions for Jesus. You say, despite my past, despite what I've done, despite what I have let myself get into, I'm going to get into the waters of baptism and say the old is gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation. Today is not a day for condemnation. Today is not a day for looking backwards. Today is not a day of self-auditing. Today is a day of examining Christ and saying, is there anywhere else I can go? I lift up Jesus before you. I say, please, sir, ma'am, respond to him. Maybe you've been walking with him for years and you, and you say, where, where to now? I say, to Jesus, to Jesus. Maybe you've never responded to him. To Jesus, sir, ma'am. If you need to respond to Jesus, However that is, whether it's saying, I need to run back to him. I need to get intimate with Jesus again. I need to respond with him afresh. Can I ask us today, if that's you, sir, ma'am, I'm going to ask you to do something radical. Could you stand to your feet so I can pray? And if I'm honest, I'm the one standing the tallest. I'm the tallest here. I know I've fallen short. That's why I'm running back to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask in three, two, one. Could you stand to your feet so I can pray?
Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's for the hundredth time. Can I tell you the good news? Jesus isn't counting. He says, I can remember your sins no more. As far as east is from the west, I'm not counting your false starts. I'm not counting your promises. Uh, there's only one promise that counts. Jesus says, I'm for you. I'm with you. I can redeem you. God, as I pray right now, is even if you're still sitting and there's still a moment, I want to say still stands. Maybe it seems a small thing. But in the kingdom of God, small things lead to big things. What seems radical at one stage will look small in the future when you see what God opens up. Stand, sir, ma'am. Don't neglect an opportunity. Jesus is here and he's saying, come follow me. Come follow me. You. Yeah, but, but you don't know my, what my wife's done. You don't know my past. No, you. Come follow me. You, you don't know my business is in such a mess. I've got no more finance. I don't want to know about your finance. You. Come follow me. I've been let down by people. You. Come follow me. You. Come follow me. I thank you, Father. Right now, if that's you standing, just lift your hands to heaven. Father, I pray. Spirit of Jesus to rest on your sons and daughters. Rest on your sons and daughters right now. Make alive. Push past disappointment. Push past hurt. Push past sin. Push past rejection. Jesus, I say, Spirit of God, go deep and resurrect the inward man. Resurrect these people. Raise them to full life. You came to give life and life in abundance. It will cost you a life, but it will give you or gain everything. I thank you, Father God, whether it's for the first time, for the hundredth time, you don't care. You're just saying, come follow me. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing something deep in the sons of your, in the hearts of your sons and daughters. And immediately, they left their nets. And immediately, they left their boats. And immediately, they left their father. Immediately, they left what was behind and said, Jesus, we're coming to follow you. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you're doing this in your sons and daughters now.